0: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
1: Welcome to the show. Tomorrow, tomorrow evening at Mount Holyoke College at the Community Center. I'll get at it. Seven o- <laughs> oh, goodness. Tomorrow evening at Mount Holyoke College at the Community Center at 7 o'clock, Charlene Hunter-Gault will be joined in conversation by Dr. Beverly Tatum. Dr. Beverly Tatum is, of course, the interim president of Mount Holyoke College. Dr. Tatum is herself a prolific author, including famously her book, Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria? (laughs) Charlene Hunter-Gault is the Emmy Award-winning journalist. She began her career at The New Yorker, became the first black reporter for the Talk of the Town section, Then joined the New York Times. where She established the Harlem Bureau, the first of its kind. She joined the PBS NewsHour, where I remember her so vividly. She has written five books, uh, and her most recent is titled My People, Five Decades of Writing About Black Lives, and she will be presenting her book tomorrow evening at Mount Holyoke College, again at the Community Center, an event sponsored by Mount Holyoke's Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, the Weissman Center for Leadership, NEPM, and the Odyssey Bookshop. It is such an honor to have you with us, Charlene hunter gold I really appreciate your being here and I appreciate your coming to the Valley. I would like to begin by asking you a question having to do with what put you in the national news spotlight the first time. And it wasn't your reporting. You were not reporting on a news story. You were the news story. (laughs) When When you and your high school classmate, Hamilton Holmes, integrated the University of Georgia. So I would appreciate it if you would tell our listeners who don't know that story, well, refresh our memories, and then I'm going to ask you to read a bit of your book Again, the title is My People, Five Decades of Writing About Lives, but refresh our memories. Tell us that story, that history-making story, where you were at the center.
2: Thank you for your interest. Um, I I was 19 years old, and Hamilton and I had been approached by some very activist uh, Black men in Atlanta who thought that, five or six years after the 1954 Brown decision that called for desegregation of all public institutions, Georgia had just lagged behind. So they came to our high school and we were chosen by our principal and by them, go downtown to one of the local colleges to apply so we could test the Brown v. Board decision outlawing segregation in schools and we agreed and we went down there and it was so interesting because what our black history had given us was a kind of instinct for what was good and not good with regard to what we wanted to do. And so HAMP looked at the schedule, Hamilton Homes was called HAMP, and I looked at it, the curriculum. And Hamp walked out, he started shaking his head and he walked out onto the deck and he said, I want to go there. And he pointed north. And I wasn't going to let Hamp get ahead of me. So I said, yeah, I want to go too. And the men knew that it was University of Georgia. And yet they were a little concerned because they didn't know anybody in Athens, Georgia, where the university is located. And they knew that all along the 70 mile route to Athens were, Ku Klux Klan, and other people who were opposed to desegregation, but here were two young people willing to do it, so they said, well, we got to figure out how, and the next thing you know, on January 9th, 1961, I walked onto the campus of the University of Georgia, having desegregated it with the help of lawyers Constance Baker Motley, Horace Ward, uh, Vernon Jordan, and uh, you know just a whole array of great uh, lawyers. Donald Hollowell was also uh, co counsel with Connie Motley.
1: So, Charlene Hunter Gall, tell me this. When you arrived at the University of Georgia, were you terrified?
2: No, I wasn't terrified. I was, uh, Vernon was with us, and so was my mother, and uh, Hamilton's, I think Hamilton's father, yeah. And so as we walked onto the campus and they were yelling the N-word, go home, you know what that is, rhymes with figure, (laughs) Uh, you know, I was looking around for who they were talking about, honestly, because years ago when our local uh, segregated elementary school in Covington, Georgia, used to have a fundraiser to make up for the deficits uh, suffered under segregation, including the uh, the books, the, the 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 book the classroom books that had the pages torn out. So every year they would hold a, a a competition to see which family could raise the most money that was to make up for the deficits at the school, but the winner would be either crowned king or queen. And that particular night, my family had raised the most money, my mother and grandmother, and I got named the queen and they gave me a bull of a watch, which I thought was nice, but the diamond tiara that they put on my head, I guess it sort of instilled in something that helped me get through that mob that day, because the notion that I was the queen took up residence in my head so that when they were yelling N-word, go home, I was looking around for the N-word because I knew it wasn't me because I was a queen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You also say in your book, My People, Five Decades of Writing About Black Lives, you talk about your time as a child in the church and how that was important in terms of giving you a focus, a center, a core to be able to live through that experience and do it successfully. Could you tell us a bit more about that?
2: Well, absolutely, because, you know, I have a lot of identities and one of them is as a PK. Now, some of you will know that means preacher's kid. And every summer, my mother used to send me to Florida to my grandfather, who was a teaching preacher known as the presiding elder. And my grandmother uh, was the saint. And so he would travel around the state teaching preachers and she would get me every day and make me learn a bible verse. And I didn't want to do it. I was 5 or 6 years old. I was a Tommy girl. I liked to climb trees and eat mangoes from the trees, but she would grab me at some point and make me learn a bible verse. And years later at 19 uh when I guess it was two or three years two, two two couple of days later after we had gotten into the university, the students rioted outside my dorm at night. And there were more than students. There were others who were not students. And eventually they were dispersed with tear gas, not least before they had thrown a rock through my window that landed all over my clothes because they had segregated me even though the school was supposed to be desegregating they had segregated me from the other students and put me on the first floor in what used to be the student government office so eventually they took their time but eventually they dispersed the crowds with tear gas and uh they came and got me it was pitch black They walked me out to the car and drove me to Hamilton where he was staying, and the next morning they took us to Atlanta, back to our parents. They were suspending us, quote unquote, for our own safety. So the reporters that next day said, well, weren't you afraid to go out there and that, you know, you didn't know what was out there? I said, no. And they said, well, why not? And I never thought about it, but this was what my sainted grandmother had taught me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, that rod and that staff they comfort me all the days of my life. And somehow that was part of the armor that has traveled, that has surrounded me, kept me safe all the days of my life. And so while I don't, get into all of that when I'm reporting uh, my personal life, particularly. Uh, it helps me, it has helped me cover wars and famine and Ebola and segregation and things happening these days in our country and in the world. So, yeah, my background uh, with my in the church has helped me through many a trial and tribulation. <laughs>
1: i want to come back to this question of reporting in just a minute but before we leave this time of you at the university of georgia I, i wanted to ask you about this incident you've described in your book and you say there was a knock at my door and my heart stopped I said oh my god what is happening gonna happen now but it was actually a really positive thing that happened with these women who knocked on your door and perhaps you could Briefly re- relate that story with our to our listeners.
2: Well, it has also helped me focus on you know what I think we need to be thinking about today, and that is who was it said? Can we all get along? Because um, I'm sitting in this uh, segregated room on the first floor, and. lot of the girls were jealous because i had something they didn't have first of all i had a living room and a bedroom secondly i had a full-on bathroom and third i had a kitchenette so they knocked on the door i opened the door and there were these three or four white girls and said with bags brown bags and they said oh we've come to cook dinner for you is that okay and i said oh yeah sure So they came in and they start talking while one was over at the stove, you know, figuring out what, you know, how to work it and everything. They began to say to me that they were there partly because they understood my history from a personal point of view. Now they're white, right? And so I said, personal? And they said, yeah, you see, our grandparents and parents were part of the Holocaust. And I said, the Holocaust? And then they began to explain to me the same kind of degradation that had been, uh, uh, reg- how the black uh, Jewish people had been regarded where, when they were growing up. Now, I grew up in Georgia, so I knew black people and I knew white people. I did not know that there were differences, divisions within white people. And I learned about the same kind of pressure that anti-Jewish people had put on Jews during the Holocaust, and maybe even subsequently, and what I was experiencing and so many other people of color had experienced in the segregated South. And you know, to this day, those girls and I remain friends, and (laughs) we're all pretty old, but we still maintain that friendship that developed at such a critical moment in my life.
1: Uh, Charlene, I would like to ask you about uh, your experience. You wanted to be a journalist early on in your life. And I'm wondering how you can square the circle for us of being a journalist and also being very much an activist. Put those two together for us, if you would, please.
2: Well, today I don't consider myself an activist in the, in the general sense of the term, like I'm not up marching and calling for things but i do believe in trying to report the truth you know jim lara once said my my former colleague and late colleague at the at, at the news hour give people good information so that they can do the right thing i'm paraphrasing but i've just felt like if people got good information they would do the right thing and i remember also edward r murrow who said this is uh, speaking of television years ago, he said this instrument can teach, it can illuminate, it can, but it can only do so to the extent that human beings are willing to use it to those ends. Otherwise, it's just like wires in a box. So I grew up with that kind of, of uh, philosophy in the back of my head, and uh, that coupled with my history, Uh, helped me walk many a path uh, that that many others had not been able to walk. I do not consider myself an activist except in this extent of trying to provide good information for people who can use it to make their lives and other lives around them better.
1: We are speaking with Charlene Hunter-Gault. She will be at Mount Holyoke College tomorrow evening, Thursday, seven o'clock, joined in conversation by the interim president of Mount Holyoke, Dr. Beverly Tatum. We are going to take a quick break here. We're gonna come back and continue our conversation with Charlene Hunter-Gault. Her new book is My People, Five Decades of Writing About Lives, Without Black Lives. And you can receive more information about her conversation tomorrow evening and about the book by contacting the Odyssey Bookstore. We'll be back in just a minute.
0: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
3: Do you know what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.? Is this week's Shop Friday Corsello Butcheria? Correct! They go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m. Corsella Butcheria, the Italian-style butcher shop in East Hampton. The inspiration is a small, family-run butcher shop in Rome. The meat is from local farmers they know and trust. Stop in for steaks and sausages, chops or chicken, or just a sandwich. Corsella Butcheria in East Hampton. Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. The Shop 30 store at whmp.com. If you are on the Eversource Reduced Electricity Rate, whether you're on it now or you're eligible, you can tap into Co-op Power's solar arrays and lower your electric bill. A new energy justice initiative allows 120 low-income families to go solar, save money, and become owner members of Co-op Power. Join Co-op Power's 1,200 owner members building community-owned energy. For details, go to the Co-op Power website, Co-op cooppower.coop.
2: Just as I was starting my medical training, I came down with an autoimmune disease that led to cancer. I needed a liver transplant. Fortunately, I got one from someone who registered as a donor. As a physician, I understand the barriers to organ donation. Some people think their organs are too old or just don't want to think about dying. But one organ donor can save up to eight lives. People who register as donors are heroes, and I'm here thanks to my hero.
3: Be a hero. Register at registerme.org. Sponsored by New England Donor Services. Pets and people, they belong together. They help us feel calm and loved with every tail wag, kiss, and snuggle. Fake and Humane Society believes in this bond and your support keeps people and pets together. You provide resources so animals with medical issues can get the care they need to find homes. Our pet food aid program lets people facing tough times feed and keep their pets because you care. Bacon's many programs and services help companion animals and the people who love them. To make a gift, visit daconhumane.org
1: today, I'm convening this conference because I believe we can use these advances to do even more, to make America stronger and a healthier nation, to achieve ambitious goals, end hunger in this country by the year 2030.
3: This is a big deal. The President of the United States just announced to the world that ending hunger and promoting better nutrition in this country is a national priority.
4: I think that's a good plan, and I think we can do it. Meanwhile, our neighbors have to eat today. The Food Bank of Western Mass is there for the over 100,000 neighbors who rely on emergency food each month. And if you want to help support the Food Bank of Western Mass, you can join the March for the Food Bank 13 Thanksgiving week. The federal government is making moves when it comes to fighting hunger, and the Food Bank itself is making moves. From Hatfield to Chicopee, you can move with us locally as we march from Springfield to Northampton on day one, and Northampton to Greenfield on day two. March yourself, start a team, virtually march. Get involved, make some moves. Monty's March 13, making moves. Monday and Tuesday, November 21st and 22nd. Sign up now at montysmarch.com
0: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
1: We continue our conversation with Emmy Award-winning journalist Charlene Hunter-Gault, who will be at Mount Holyoke College Thursday evening in conversation with Dr. Beverly Tatum, interim president of the college. Charlene Hunter-Gault's new book is titled *My People: Five Decades of Writing About Black Lives* and this book has received amazingly positive reviews it is brilliantly written and i love for our listeners to have some sense of what a book sounds like so if you would be kind enough uh charlene hunter to read a bit of us a bit for us i'm looking now at page 38 of the book this is a story you're telling about you're addressing and student groups after black student groups uh after the election of donald trump and perhaps you could share that with our listeners and then have a sense of what the book sounds
4: like.
2: Well, thank you very much. And you know, we also have an audio, audio book, uh, which I recorded happily. And um, this was a day after the election, you said of the former president and the black, I was with a group of black students who told me that the morning after the election, they woke up crying and very sad. And so, you know, I, I was sort of taken aback by their, uh reactions but i told the students a little bit about my generation's history confronting racism and about the ways in which that history had shaped my career in journalism and i told them that it aligned with my dear uh now late uh friend and colleague gwen Eiffel, and i'm saying in the book gwen and i had an instant bond on so many levels both as first in several journalism jobs, and Gwen faced overt racial hostility. When she was interning at the Boston Herald American many years ago, a coworker wrote a note saying, N-word, it was the whole word, go home. But home she didn't go a choice I relayed to the anxious and fearful students. Gwen and I were both the children of ministers and growing up in the AME household, that's African Methodist Episcopal, we were taught our history from the moment of our consciousness. It is a history that includes the pain and sacrifice of so many of our people in the past, from the slave ships to the lynching trees, to the separate and unequal schools, and the places where our parents, Paying customers could not sit down to eat to Charleston, where massacre surviving worshipers at Mother Emmanuel again, AME expressed forgiveness for the shooter, forgiveness for the shooter who murdered many of their own. Gwen and I both love clothes, but we love the armor we wore even before we put on a stitch the armor we wore as we traversed roads not taken by women who look like us. Gwen took that moral armor into her work as a professional journalist, just as she took her consciousness of race and racism into whatever newsroom she inhabited, unabashedly but gently providing good information that help cause hateful words or hateful glances to fall to the ground and dry up. We are speaking with Charlene Hunter-Gault. Her new
1: book is My People, Five Decades of Writing About Black Lives, and she will be at Mount Holyoke College Thursday evening beginning at seven o'clock. So here's, I think, the shortest question perhaps I've ever asked. You say that Gwen Eiffel, and I would put you in the same category, you can cause hateful words or hateful glances to fall to the ground and dry up. That's what you wrote. And my
2: question is, really? I do that every day. You know, thank you so much for the question, as they say on television these days all the time. But, you know. I was traveling yesterday from Philadelphia where I gave a little book talk at the library there. And everybody that I ran into, I didn't care what they looked like and I didn't wanna be presumptuous about what they looked like meant what they stood for. So, you know, I would compliment a woman on her fingernails cause everybody's wearing, you know, false nails these days or long po- polish that makes them longer than usual. Or I would say to a, young white guy who had a a, a, a tattoo on his shoulder, I'd raise my arm and say, how you like mine? And I just see people kind of break down and sometimes be a little bit surprised. But I just, even with my mask on, which I wear all the time, because I'm too old now to be concerned about whether or not somebody has or has not had their vaccine. But you can see through my mask, my face and, I like that because I like smiling at people and it seems to sometimes surprise them, but sometimes it seems that they are grateful for it because they sometimes smile back. Now, sometimes they look at me like I've lost my mind, but, and maybe I have, (laughs) but I, I really do still believe that we can break through some of this division that is happening in our in our in our country it's just um i i just i live in hope that's that's all there is to it and um you know i read somewhere the other day i can, I wrote a note and now i can't find the note but it stressed it says the struggle has many paths each generation has to make its own bed and so i i'm hoping that when I see the younger people who are not wearing masks or who kind of look at me funny because I'm wearing a mask and I wave or I I do something that I hope says to them, look, I'm I'm, I'm just like you in so many ways. And sometimes I get through and sometimes I don't, but I'm gonna keep on keeping on trying. Okay, Okay, help me out.
1: This is a time of, I think, an enormous wave of anti-Semitism, of pushback against uh, people of color. Your book is titled, subtitled Five Decades of Writing About Black Lives. Do you really think that the last 50 years reflect a movement towards greater uh, acceptance, greater humanity, more uh, people coming together,
2: or is that just an illusion? Well, that's often the case I wrote in the Vineyard Gazette here in Martha's Vineyard, "What goes around comes around," and I I was in Italy and I saw King Herod photo, uh, uh, paintings of King Herod banishing the children and being evil to their parents, and you know I just I feel like the phrase "more perfect union" is so appropriate because those of us who have digested our Constitution as well as our history which henry Louis gates is helping us to understand particularly the black history uh in all of the work that he's doing in public television and elsewhere but you know we look around we look at our history and we see that we have achieved we see that we have i was talking to somebody about atlanta the other day and i said well you know atlanta has these problems and particularly now georgia is really challenged in this current election but Atlanta, I can't even count the number of black mayors who were elected. The number of my friends who served in the civil rights movement, protesting racial segregation, who served on Atlanta City Council. Um, there has been progress. If you look at Forbes and some of these other magazines that show uh, the, the wealth among uh, uh, black people and people of color, um, and also increasingly women. And if you look at television, there seems to be a new consciousness- about bringing more diversity into the newsrooms, the print ones- as well as the ones uh, that that show people behind the camera. Uh, more diversity women, more diversity LGBTQ people, more diversity men of color. And the interesting thing is that, um, you know, I, I think that- the one problem remaining is that the decision makers while they are making decisions that do increase people of color on camera and off it's the decision-making level that needs to be a little better reflected of our total community because the consciousness of our people we bring in a way that well, we had a lot of people, white and black and other colors, involved in the civil rights movement. And I never want anybody to forget that white people also died for us. Uh, Goodman and Schwerner and Viola Liuzzo and people who traveled with John Lewis on his first interstate uh, uh, protest to try and get rid of segregation on interstate buses. There were black people and white people who signed their wills before they left Washington, D.C. on that route because they thought that they might come up against the kind of hatred that would take their lives, and many did. So I don't like generalizations about black people and white people. In fact, in my book, they're they're white people. As well as black, as well as my people, because they are my people. Uh, uh, Lucy and Sheldon Hackney, you know, he was president of Tulane at one point, and uh, he, Lucy's mother helped Rosa Parks get off, get out of jail after she protested segregation on the bus. So they are my people too, and so I've now forgotten the question, <laughs> but but I'm hoping that um, we look at our history and we see that it's been a challenging road, but we have often met those challenges, and we will, because we have a new generation of activists, and I'm calling for a coalition of the generations, because I think that my generation, I don't mind saying I'm 80, my generation Uh, People like Charles Sherrod, who just passed away, his uh, his obituary was in the New York Times. I recommend everybody read it because he was a civil rights activist who believed in the involvement of all people, no matter their color. And so I'm saying let's read our history and let's use it as a way to inspire us to, to come together, Uh, younger people coming to people with a little bit of experience like me, and there are still others who are around who were part of the civil rights movement. And also it's recorded in history. Read that history so that you know that you may be fighting a fight that's challenging and difficult, but we've overcome in the past. And I really do believe, given all the people I see involved in this current movement, we will again.
1: We have been speaking with Charlene Hunter-Gault, who will be at Mount Holyoke College. If you need more information on the event, you can check with the Odyssey Bookshop in South Hadley. Charlene Hunter-Gault's new book is titled My People, Five Decades of Writing About Black Lives. She will be in conversation with the interim president of Mount Holyoke tomorrow, Beverly Tatum. Charlene Hunter-Gault, the book has received brilliant reviews. They are all deserved. I'm really inspired by you and your life and your book. I thank you so much for you, for your book, and for coming to the Valley tomorrow. We really look forward to seeing you. Thank you so very, very much.
2: Bill, I look forward to seeing you. Thank you for having me.
3: This is Bill Newman, WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Senator Elizabeth Warren and Congresswoman Ayanna Presley were in Springfield last night to encourage students to sign up for the Biden administration's student debt cancellation plan, despite that plan currently being on hold after a ruling from an appeals court. Warren says this could be a life-changing opportunity for many. we got to get everybody
2: signed up because this is a way that we change America.
3: In Massachusetts, over 813,000 borrowers stand to benefit from the program. National Grid is pledging a combined $1 million to organizations that help with fuel assistance during the winter months. The funds will assist customers and small business owners in need through United Way Partners and the Massachusetts Good Neighbors Energy Fund. Residents in need of assistance can also call 211, the free information and referral hotline operated by the United Way, which helps people find programs that support needs such as food, housing, and utility assistance. Applications for assistance are open beginning November 1st and run through April 30th of next year. Expansion on the Tilton Library in Deerfield is moving forward. Residents approved the additional funds needed during a special town meeting on Monday. The next step is a special election for a debt exclusion vote, which will take place in early December. Voters authorized $12.3 million to be appropriated for the project. The library also received a $4 million grant through the Massachusetts Board of Library Commissioners in July that requires a matching contribution. The library is still looking to raise an additional $2 million for the project.
4: Clouds, showers, drizzle, kind of clammy again today with a high of 64 to 68. Scattered early evening shower, then clearing an overnight low of 50 to 56 tonight. Mostly sunny and breezy tomorrow, 64 to 68. Sun cloud mix, 50s on Friday. The weekend looks dry. I'm 22 News Storm Team meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP.
3: This News Minute is brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media.
5: Yo soy Johan Rashi Vega con la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media. Un Tribunal Federal de Apelaciones ha bloqueado temporalmente el plan de condonación de préstamos estudiantiles del presidente Biden, lo que impide que se borre cualquier deuda. Pero la administración está alentando a las personas a continuar presentando sus solicitudes. El fallo que ocurrió el viernes por la noche se produce en menos de una semana desde que se puso en marcha el portal de aplicaciones. Ya se han registrado casi 22 millones de personas, más de la mitad de los prestatarios que califican. La administración podría haber comenzado a procesar solicitudes y cambiar los saldos de los préstamos a partir del domingo. El bloque fue emitido por el Tribunal de Apelaciones del Octavo Circuito de Estados Unidos, que está considerando una moción de seis estados liderados por republicanos para detener el programa. La secretaria de prensa de la Casa Blanca, Karine Jean-Pierre, dijo que la orden temporal no impide que los prestatarios soliciten alivio y alentó a los prestatarios elegibles a hacerlo si aún no lo han hecho. Según Jean-Pierre, la decisión judicial no impide que el gobierno federal revise las solicitudes ni prepare documentos para los administradores de préstamos. Se espera que la Corte Federal de Apelaciones anuncie un fallo esta semana. En otras informaciones, los puntajes en una evaluación nacional de lectura y matemáticas se han desplomado en los últimos tres años tanto en Massachusetts como en todo el país. El Estado ha promocionado durante mucho tiempo su desempeño en la evaluación nacional del proyecto educativo, que a veces se denomina la Boleta de Calificaciones de la Nación. Durante décadas, los estudiantes de Massachusetts han obtenido consistentemente las puntuaciones más altas de la NAEP o cerca de ellas. Pero los últimos resultados del Estado en matemáticas y lectura muestran una marcada recesión a nivel nacional desde que se administró la prueba por última vez en 2019, antes de la pandemia. Yo soy Johan Roshi Vega, y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP.
3: This News Minute has been brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media.
0: This is Bill Newman, WHMP. It's time
4: for our monthly segment, Sex Matters, with Dr. Jane Fleischman, our resident sexologist and The eponymous host of the show has probably (laughs) thought wisely of today's theme and decided to bail out for the second half of the show. I can't believe he left me. I can't believe it either. So joining us is the Northampton Radio Group's own Joan Holiday with Dr. Jane Fleischman. And we are going to be talking about... What, Dr. Jane?
0: Well, first of all, I just wanted to welcome Joan to Sex Matters. We've never had Sex Matters before. No, we have not. I'm excited. Monty, great to see you again. Great to see you. Today we're going to be talking... Well, let's start a little bit, go back a couple of steps... Money. remember last month we talked about self-love, masturbation, and enjoying your own body? I do. That was fun. Yes. We had a good time. Yes. Well, I hope you had a good time. I did. That's the whole point. (laughs) Exactly. This month, I thought we might try to increase your vocabulary. Okay. And also increase your literacy skills with a new word. Ready, Joan? I'm ready. Cliteracy.
4: Uh (laughs) Aha. I see where this is going.
0: Well, any idea what it means?
4: literacy about a specific part of the female anatomy.
0: You are are one brilliant host. That That was
4: an easy one. You teed that one right up for
0: me. Well, clitoracy, actually, if you want to get a little bit more specific, because, you know, now that I have been to sex school, I've learned a lot more, it's the ability to kind of read someone who has a clitoris, generally a woman, and it's an essential skill for any man to possess in a relationship or any woman who's having sex with another person with a clitoris. And a person is one who has an in-depth understanding of the clitorary arts.
4: Did you come up with all these?
0: I tried. OK,
4: <laughs> just checking.
0: So the clitoris, you know, Mandy and Joan, it doesn't get much press. Most of the time, people talk about vaginas. That is, if they have one or if they want to be near one. And even the amazing Eve Ensler, who wrote and toured the amazing play, Vagi- uh, Vagina Monologues, she took it all over the world, and people have been putting this on in you know all sorts of venues. She didn't really talk about the clitoris, but I like to use the term vulva, V-U-L-V-A, to represent the vagina, the labia, or the lips, and the clitoris, to be more inclusive. So, Monty and Joan... I know that you should probably know this stuff already, but let's see how much you do know and how clitorate you both are.
4: Joan has an unfair advantage. True, true.
0: <laughs> true, true. You well, should know something by now, Monty. Yeah, true, true. Hopefully. Monty, there's a lot of pressure right now. There is. Um, so first of all, um, Monty and you, Joan you brought a puppet got to see and my vulva puppet and my 3D version of a clitoris, who, which I love because it's in purple. It's just so cute. It's nice. I wish your listeners could see these, but... We'll just take a look at them because later on I'm going to do a little geography with you. So a okay. little anatomy and phys.
4: Anatomy and geography. Okay.
0: Yeah, well, we're going to have two subjects today well, besides this. So how long is this segment, Monty? It's until the,
4: uh, 10 o'clock. Yeah, oh,
0: you're, geez, you're Louise. You're going to do fine, Joan. You're really going to do okay. fine. Joan, you wouldn't believe how easy these questions are. I try. I, I really know. Try. It's
4: always all of the above.
0: Oh, well, actually, not today, Monty. Okay. Mostly it is. So, ready, Joan? Yeah. I'm going to tee you up first. What is the main function of the clitoris? A, it helps in reproduction. B, it increases lubrication. Or C, it's purely about pleasure. I'd say all of the above. Maybe C. Monty?
4: Uh, Well, I'm going with C as well. C it is. C is for clitoris, and and that's good enough for me.
0: Oh, my Uh God. we're back on Sesame Street. I I am not awake (laughs) yet. Okay, so, Joan, you know, a lot of people think all sorts of things about this. But, in fact... It's the single organ in the entire human body that is devoted 100% to pleasure.
4: In any type of human body's body?
0: Absolutely. Wow. Amazing. And it counts as
4: its own organ.
0: Exactly. It doesn't do anything for anything else. It doesn't help you make babies. It doesn't help you get wetter. It doesn't do anything else except give you a lot of joy. So it's responsible for feeling sexual stimulation, sexual sensations, when there's stimulation, all sorts of ways that you can be stimulated. And often it can lead to an orgasm. And remember what I've said a lot on this show, doesn't always lead to an orgasm, totally okay. Whatever your body works. Okay, let's try another one. Monty, you're up next, okay. ready? Where is the clitoris located? A, behind the anus. B between <laughs> the anus <laughs> and the vagina. I told you I'm making it really easy. And C right above the external opening of the urethra.
4: I'm going right there.
0: You got it. And he's you know, pointing like at s- the puppet. Once the, again
4: C. Yes. Pu- yeah, it is C. C. It's for clitoris. Right. And that's and good enough for me.
0: You got he got the point. The great thing on the puppet is that there's a little hood that you can pull back and there's a string where you can move the clitoris. Does that part puppet have a name? Yes, her name is Mulva. The I, vulva. I like it. <laughs> I, I don't. Did
4: you make this? Pu- where did this puppet come oh, from? Oh, no,
0: I couldn't make This is so beautiful. This puppet I had to purchase... At a wonderful sex toy shop in Brookline called Grand Opening, which is also oh, a great, that's name fantastic. A place. Although I
4: think soft opening would have been better. I'm always appreciative ah, when yes. ra- places have a soft opening I before their grand opening. I
0: love that. And you know, for a lot of people who don't get hard, a soft opening would be wonderful. Exactly, good point. So actually, we're going to talk about it's gold, hard. purple, rose, pink, and black. I know, boy. and also it has little tiny fake pearls on it, and it's satin and velvet. Gorgeous. And you can play with it if you'd like to. Sure. Okay. <laughs> That's okay, I have my own okay, okay, all right, so um we're doing really well um true or false, ready, Joan? yeah, the clitoris and the penis share similar erectile tissue structure, true or false true Monty true oh you guys are so smart today yeah hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent one of the most interesting facts I learned in sex grad school and you know I learned a lot of cool stuff in sex grad school was that and you know when you go to School for sex. You learn all sorts of things. But the spongy tissue that gets erect right here, I'm pointing to the, the nub right here at the top, when the blood flows, when it's stimulated, is called the corpus cavernosa. And it's the exact same tissue that becomes erect both in the clitoris and the penis. Is that cool or what? But
4: that's interesting, though, because you just said that the clitoris is the only organ in any type of human body that's specifically for pleasure. But so then in a usually right. male human body is it not well the, the, well
2: yes but
0: reproduction well no well, no, yeah, no
4: it's got it's like a also, swiss army knife on the male body true
0: and also if you think like if i just hold this little part of the mulva out that's the 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 top of the clitoris the glands the penis has a little opening right right for the urethra so there's another function for that tissue right. for that organ so it's so, not the sole function, but it's definitely function.
4: deeply embedded into the function.
0: Deeply embedded into pleasure. Maybe Let's we should—that's
4: a good place to take a break.
0: You know what? We can talk about the penis later. Now, what starts
1: with the letter
0: C? Cookie starts with C. Let's
1: think of other things that start with C. Ah, uh, uh, who cares about other things? C. is This for is Bill Newman. That's good for me. C is for cookie. That's good enough for me. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it.
3: We have a very unique and lethal combination of emboldened white supremacy in this country and unfettered access to guns. We need to keep talking about the intersection of white supremacy and guns. Guns are used in order to elicit fear and power and control. Uh, white supremacists, and it's not an issue that's going
1: away easily. 1015, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP.
3: Life moves fast, and kids move at the speed of life. Well, Franklin First is here to help you and your kids stay in control. With Franklin First Federal Credit Union's Teen Checking Program, your teen can manage their money and stay on the go while you enjoy peace of mind. Conditions apply, so see your Franklin First professional for details and requirements. Or start at franklinfirst.org. Franklin First Federal Credit Union, member NCUA.
5: This is uh, from
4: Rioja, and this is the tierra. That means earth. Thank, Thank you. you. I knew my language acquisition <laughs> would come in handy.
3: Every Friday morning, Monty visits the wine snobs to talk about wine at State Street.
4: When you compare Spanish wines, Rioja especially, which is kind of like the Bordeaux of Spain, 90% of the time, stuff that you can get for $12, 15 $20 for Rioja is going to rival things that you're going to get for $30, $35 for Bordeaux. The Tierra is still under 20 at 18.99. I mean, give me a break. I know. Yeah. Nose a little okay. dustier on this one. Yeah. And fruity. Almost like a caramel, actually. It's like cherry cola. Oh yeah, and this is a, is a Crianza? It is a Crianza. Which is a newer, like a fresher Rioja, right? That's true. Not yeah. quite Hoven. Crianza, it, it doesn't involve nearly as much of the barrel aging as a Reserva or Grand Reserva. I love this.
3: Find your favorite wine and your next favorite wine at State Street Fruit Store Deli Wines & Spirits. Hi, this is Jessica from Fitness Together. I meet clients every day who tell me that as the number on their scale grew higher, their self-esteem dropped lower, and going to a traditional gym absolutely terrified them. Here at Fitness Together, we'll work with you one-on-one, either virtually or in one of our private suites in Amherst or Northampton. We'll help you set and reach your fitness goals, and most importantly, smile every time you look in the mirror. Fitness Together in Amherst and Northampton. Your self-worth is worth Fitness Together.
4: This
0: is Bill Newman, WHMP.
4: And Bill Newman has graciously
2: left the studio. Left the studio graciously, in a cowardly fashion. Ooh. So that we
4: can talk with Dr. Jane Fleischman for our regular monthly Sex Matters with Dr. Jane Fleischman, with special guest, Northampton Radio Group's own Joan Holiday. And we are talking about the clitoris today. It is anatomy. It is science, <laughs> and if it happens to also be fun and funny, all the better. There you right. go, Monty.
2: Since it's
0: science, it can be on the radio. Sure. Yeah, and we can say all these words, and you're not going to There's get nothing wrong
4: with the words. We're not using anything untoward. It's anatomy.
0: Exactly. So let's actually do a little bit more anatomy. We've got one more question. True or false? Back to the clitoris. We're not going to talk about penises today, although I could bring in the penis huh? puppet. We could talk about penises because no, that's, that's okay. a lot of fun. In fact, somebody in my field just wrote a book titled something like The Existential View of the Penis. I thought, wow, okay. (laughs) I gotta read it. I
4: have to read it too, I guess.
0: Okay, Uh, back to the clitoris. True or false? Does size matter? In what way?
4: I'm gonna just say false. I mean, does size matter? No, is the answer. False. You have to say size matters. I tried to to trick you. It can't be a yes or no question and be true or false. You have to pick one.
0: Right, because it's not, you remember, the clitoris is not a button. It's actually more like an iceberg—not in the cold side of it, but mostly that it's unseen. And here's the amazing part: the outside part is called the glands, and there's a little hood over it, as you can see, Monty and Joan on yes, my so vulva puppet. puppet. Sorry, Mulva, listeners.
4: Mulva the vulva.
0: And Mulva, I'm pulling back the hood so you can see the glands. But it can get big or not so big, and it just depends on the person because we're all different. And there are other parts of the clitoris that you don't see at all. So let's go through it, okay? Now I'm going to turn to my little 3D version, the little purple yeah. version of the clitoris with the amazing long legs. Whoever knew whoever knew a clitoris had such long legs? It looks so, like
4: some sort of um, dancing dinosaur. It's like a brontosaurus oh no. with its don't be, back legs in between its front legs.
2: <laughs> and it's got four legs. And
4: it's and it's right. purple. This. But particular.
3: don't be afraid, though, because the legs are inside.
0: Totally. The legs are inside the labia
3: it's not some weird looking
0: thing that
2: you're like what i've never seen that right Right.
0: like i right i had to bring both things so you could understand where it goes that's the cool part people think it's just the glands just the part that you can see so beyond the glands let's just go through it because i know that you're dying to know this listeners there's the body the corpora and it's located behind the glands so think of it as the top of a wishbone that isn't divided, and the body extends downward and branches off to form a pair of legs. They're called the crura. Joan, would you like to hold the legs? Sure. Thank you. So the crura are two legs that extend from the clitoral body. They're the longest part of the clitoris, and together they form a little V of the wishbone and surround your vaginal canal and the urethra, the tube that you know carries the pee out of the body. What's really cool is the vestibular bulbs are in between the cura and your vaginal wall. So like the cura or the legs, the vestibular bulbs are a paired structure. So when you're aroused, they swell with blood and they can even double in size. And then there's the root, which is the nerves from the erectile tissue that makes up the various structures in your clitoris. They all meet at the root and it's located where the legs and the cura meet. Okay, so why is this important? Well, first of all, anyone who owns a vulva or is interested in having sex with someone with a vulva, might want to become more clitorate. Don't I hear you, they're right? really
4: safe to drive, too. They're oh, you said, <laughs> I thought you said Volvo. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> That's solid and dependable, but right. not
4: that exciting. Foxy, but good.
0: <laughs> um, Good, but you know, made in Sweden, which yeah, yeah. has great sex ed, I'm actually. Sure. Yeah. And sometimes it takes a while to stimulate, either with your fingers or another part of your body, or maybe a vibrator, or getting licked or sucked. or Okay, I'll stop right, there, but Right, we Monty. get the point. You get the picture, but while it's happening, that part of the clitoris, that, bu- that glands right at the top, may get kind of sore or tired of being rubbed or sucked or licked or et cetera. So why not give it a rest? Just try another body part and come back to it later. And check in with yourself if you're masturbating or with your partner if you're rubbing them because if you're having sex with them, you want to make sure that it's still really fun. And if it takes a little bit longer, you want to try to back off a little bit and see where they're going. And the other thing is that there may be different parts of the glands that feel really good, and you'll and almost like a clock. Ask yourself or your partner, 12 o'clock, 3, 6, 9, where are we going today? What feels better? And another important thing about the legs of the clitoris, which is, by the way, a really brand new uh, anatomical discovery last 10 years.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. The last
0: 10 years? How did it take so long? Because nobody <laughs> studies the clitoris. It's the second...
2: You know, nobody one. studies women, I mean, in history. There you go. Wow.
0: There you go. And in fact, most sex researchers study dysfunction rather than pleasure. So why study the clitoris if it's all about pleasure? But most women don't have an orgasm through penis and vagina intercourse. In fact, it's only about 25% of all women have reported that. The rest have an orgasm through stimulation of their Repeat clitoris. Repeat that. I think that's
3: an important thing for people to know.
0: Less than well, about a quarter of all people with a vagina, mostly women, can have an orgasm through penis and vagina intercourse.
3: So that means 75% get it another way. Right.
0: And what's really interesting is maybe that 25%, when there's penetration in the vaginal canal, there's also stimulation of the legs of the clitoris, because lining those are the vaginal so canal. Part of the Isn't that pleasure center, the legs right. too. The right. legs are also part of that erectile tissue. Mm-hmm. So interesting, right? So that's the latest research that has really indicated that we've got some work to do. So those of you in the listening audience, start experimenting. Find out what you can. What you can learn about your own discoveries.
4: If scientists only found those legs ten years ago, I shouldn't feel so guilty about it.
0: <laughs> I don't think. You I should
4: mean, they have been dissecting cadavers to, for you know guilt centuries. Guilt has
0: nothing to do Monty, with it. But you have been Monty. feeling guilty about so many things. So I'm Catholic. He's it's my Catholic. Gym. I know. But remember, if you want to find out what feels good to the person you want to have sex with, ask them, and not when you're lying in bed together. You know, have a horizontal conversation about sex. Try having those conversations vertically, fully clothed, before you lie down. And remember, one last thing, Monty, the clitoris has one purpose and one purpose only. So enjoy it.
4: Love it. Jane Fleischman is our resident sexologist, Dr. Jane Fleischman. She joins us every month for Sex Matters with Dr. Jane Fleischman. And Bill Newman wisely bowed (laughs) out of this conversation this morning, but was uh, aptly...
3: He called replaced. me last
0: night and said, <laughs> please. Joan, Get please, this. <laughs> please come and do this for me. <laughs> thanks, Monty. Thanks, thanks, thanks for to being Joan here, Joan.
4: Thanks pinch hit, for pinch hitting for uh, Dr. Newman. We will talk to you again tomorrow.
0: Mova says bye.
4: top-ranked Massachusetts Minutemen return to the ice at the Mullins Center this Friday for homecoming and a special hat trick-or-treat Halloween. All fans are encouraged to wear their Halloween costumes as the Minutemen take on Merrimack. Puck drops at 7 p.m. UMass hockey tickets can be purchased at umassathletics.com tickets. Or, if you can't make it, listen to all the action right here on WHMP, your home for UMass hockey. 1015, and 1240. WHMP.
0: There's nothing like being in the same room at the same time, sharing your experiences with other women. At Cancer Connection's Breast Cancer Support Group, we can laugh or cry. With our burdens lifted, even for a little while, we can go back to our lives better able to handle dealing with cancer and all it entails. Go to cancer-connection.org to learn more or to donate today. Cancer Connection relies on local donations to make its services free of charge.
1: Live and local news and talk for Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton, WHMQ Greenfield, Northampton Radio Group Station.
3: It's 10 o'clock.